to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Brian Bridge. How has your week been, you guys? This Monday night was the NCAA Men's Championship, with Sunday night being the Women's Championship, but uh, I wasn't able to watch the women's. I only saw highlights, and then I did watch the second half of the men's game, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Before anything, for any of you who live in Rexburg or the Idaho area, man, it has been windy. Apparently, the high wind warning or advisory is ending tonight, but still, like, you go outside and it says it's 50 to 60 degrees, but it feels like it's 20. So it's insane. For any of you living in Illinois, all my Illinois friends, uh, I'm jealous of you right now because I don't think it ever really got this windy. It's insane. But like I was saying, that that championship game was it was good. It I wouldn't say it was amazing. I did watch the Villanova versus North Carolina game back in 2016. I watched that live and that was amazing. That cannot be topped in my mind. But this game this year with the number eight seed North Carolina taking on the number one seed Kansas. I actually had Kansas winning the entire tournament, so I'm I'm happy in that sense, but overall it was it wasn't the most boring tournament. We had St. Peter's making a run in the tournament. We had Duke proving people wrong, all the haters. And so it was a good tournament. Again, not amazing, but I'm happy for Kansas. I'm happy for my bracket, but I I put my bracket into a league with some of my friends and and my brothers and and sister-in-law, but and I still got third place. I was the only one who got the champion correct. By the way, I only got the final score wrong by 2 points. But that's beside the point. And I still got third place. And that's because I had Texas Tech and I can't remember who else in the final four. Whereas these other guys had the four blue bloods in the final four. Whereas I was the only one to get Kansas correct. So, But congrats to North Carolina. Before we move on, I will say that this episode, we're not going to be talking so much about one specific player, but we are going to be looking at college players that have either declared for the NBA draft or might make some noise in the NBA. And we'll talk a little bit about them and what we can expect for this year's NBA draft. I'm a big NBA fan, and I'm trying so hard to get into college basketball and so, and this is my attempt to do that. But North Carolina was the number eight seed going against the number one seed, Kansas. Now, can you think of the last national champion to be as lowly seeded as North Carolina and get to the national championship game and even win? So again, the question is, who is the lowest seed ever to win the national championship? We're talking college, men's basketball. I have the answer right here. Most of us won't remember this or, or weren't even alive for it. In 1985, the Villanova Wildcats were the number eight seed, 
and they went on to win the national championship. They are the only number eight seed to ever win the national championship and still to this day, the lowest seed ever to win the title. They had to beat number nine Dayton in the first round and then went on to stun number one Michigan in the second round, defeat number five Maryland in the Sweet 16, and number two North Carolina in the Elite Eight. In the Final Four, the Wildcats beat number two Memphis State to secure a matchup with the reigning national champion, number one Georgetown. But throughout this tournament this year, we had, like I said, St. Peter's, the number 15 seed, who made it to the Elite Eight. Now, I mentioned 2016 North Carolina game being awesome against Villanova. 2016 also had the Golden Retrievers. Uh, They were the number 15 seed, and they made it to the Sweet 16, but St. Peter's is the first number 15 seed to ever make it to the Elite Eight. And so congrats to them. That was really fun to watch during the tournament. I went and did play-by-play for the men's basketball championship up here in Idaho. And during that game, St. Peter's went on to beat Purdue. And so during that broadcast, we were able to kind of react to that live and it was fun. It was awesome. But guys, let's take a small dive into these players that we watched in the tournament and kind of give a sneak peek on the NBA draft for this upcoming season. So the NBA draft this year will take place on June 23rd. So these prospects have plenty of time to make their decisions or talk to certain agents who have inside information on specific teams. But some of the NBA teams that we can we know rather are in the lottery are the Orlando Magic, Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets, so on and so forth, Detroit Pistons. Now, there are a couple big names out there, and I think these should be the top three, not based on necessarily mock drafts, but what I've seen through watching games live. At number one, I'm actually going to take Duke forward Paolo Banquero. Now, he wasn't necessarily... 100% consistent throughout his entire season this year. But from what I saw towards the end of the regular season and in the March Madness tournament, he just seems the most NBA ready. And really for these teams that I mentioned, Detroit Pistons, OKC, and you know, again, so on and so forth, that's what they want. They want somebody that's NBA ready. There's other players like Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith that these teams might take a really long look at. But in my eyes, Bancaro out of Duke is the most NBA ready. Through watching his highlights especially, I just see his maturity on offense and his willingness to just take his own time. He's not necessarily a ball hog, but... You can tell that he's making the right plays. And uh, the only thing I will say against him is that already injuries have plagued him. Not necessarily your 
really popular ones of ACL tears or ankle sprains or anything with the arms or back. But uh, he's actually had a lot of issues with cramps. And so that's one thing to to keep note of. But I don't think Bancaro's going to be the number one pick in this year's draft. But I just think that he will make the biggest immediate impact to whoever drafts him. And I think that that's what NBA analysts take a look at. And so they'll say, oh, yeah, Ben Carroll was the best in the draft. Now, 10, 15 years from now, we may, we may say differently. But again, for these teams in the draft lottery, that's what they want. Somebody draft ready. Somebody NBA ready. Now, I think that with the number two pick, we should see Chet Holmgren. I'm not exactly sure what team will be in possession of the number one, number two, number three pick, but Chet Holmgren is a seven-foot, not exactly monster, but when you play against him, he's kind of like if you go to you know, a pickup game, a gym, and you see this not really vocal person, just absolutely demolish you. And you're like, dude, what's going on? And he's just like, I don't know. I just like basketball. That's the type of guy I take him for. And so that's why I don't have him as my number one overall pick. He just doesn't really seem to have that fire that I would want. Bancaro, I see that fire. But Holmgren, he's got the body. For anybody who says that he's too skinny and he needs to gain weight, Everybody who gets into the NBA does that. Unless they're an absolute bust, everybody can do that. Once you get into the NBA, you get paid to play. Now, Holmgren may be paid to play just because of, you know, back-end deals with Gonzaga. But for the most part, he's going to school for free at Gonzaga, but he's not exactly getting paid. So once he gets into the league, he signs a deal I'm sure he'll be more than happy to, you know, eat his way through an Applebee's or or hit the weight room. He might not gain a lot of weight like Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I just think that those people who say that he shouldn't be picked that high because of his weight, that's not necessarily smart. His skill set, there. His defensive skill set, totally there. He can block just about anybody at any position, even point guards. And so I'm taking him at number two. Again, we're not sure who will own that number two pick, but anybody there should take him. And then at number three, I'm going to take the right now consensus number one overall pick, Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith, I don't like to compare him, or I don't like to compare anybody to current NBA players. But Jabari Smith has an offensive skill package right now where he likes to either dribble into a three or dribble into a mid-range. From what I've seen through highlights, again, I didn't watch Auburn too much. By the way, he's 6'10". He can take anybody in the post. He can actually dribble into a spot-up three. But he doesn't have the footwork yet to get into the lane with bigger centers or just overall thicker players. And so for Smith, I think that he can play a role of 
spot up three and D player, but his skill set might change as he finds his way into whatever team drafts him. So again, I think Holmgren and Jabari Smith are two people that aren't necessarily NBA ready, but they could take a few years to make an impact, whereas Paolo Banquero, I think with whatever team drafts him, he can make that impact. Maybe not play, maybe play in tournament for whatever team drafts him. Now let's turn the corner a little bit. And as we're talking about the NBA and the lottery teams, let's talk about those teams who are trying to avoid the lottery. The teams that are playing for the play-in tournament. In the Western Conference, we have the Timberwolves, the Clippers, the Pelicans, and the Spurs. Now, at the number six seed in the West, we have the Jazz, who could potentially fall into the play-in tournament. And then below those four teams, we have the 11-seed Lakers. Now, for any of you listening, the majority of my audience hates the Lakers. I absolutely despise the Lakers. LeBron James is an amazing player. Top two. I'm not going to get into that discussion right now, but I just have always hated LeBron James. Um, I was a little bit younger when he moved from the Cavs to the Heat, and I didn't necessarily feel that impact as a Warriors fan because it was Eastern Conference to Eastern Conference, and also the Warriors were absolute garbage anyways. But once the Warriors started to get into actual contention, then... LeBron moved from the Heat back to the Cavs. And ever since that day, I just, oh, something about seeing LeBron's crying face just makes me want to punch him. But he's an amazing player. But my point is that I hope the Lakers do not make the play-in. Even if they made the play-in, there's no way they're winning that one game because LeBron has the juice for it, but his teammates do not. So we're looking at a play-in of the Timberwolves facing the Clippers and the Pelicans playing the Spurs. I think the Timberwolves will lose to the Clippers and the Clippers will become the seventh seed, meaning they will face the Grizzlies in the first round. And then I think the Timberwolves would beat the Pelicans after the Pelicans beat the Spurs. And then the Timberwolves would be the eighth seed playing the Suns. Now, I'm going to wait for my friend Tyler to get up here to do some playoff predictions. I think that'll be a fun episode for us. And we'll go through all of our brackets and and all of our matchups. But let me just say that I think the Bucks are going to repeat this year. Now, speaking of the Bucks, let's go to the Eastern Conference play-in situation here. At the seventh spot, we have the Cavaliers. We have the Hawks at number 8, the Hornets at number 9, and the Nets at number 10. Now that's not really going to change. The Raptors are just above at the 6th seed, and the Knicks are at the 11th seed. The Knicks have already been kicked out of the playoffs. The Raptors, I don't think they're going to fall into the play-in. So that means the Cavs are going to play the Hawks, 
and the Hornets will beat or play the Nets. I personally think that the Cavs will beat the Hawks and the Nets will beat the Hornets, meaning the Hawks and Nets will have to play for the final eight seed. And I think the Nets are going to beat the Hawks. I believe Trey Young is either injured and out right now or coming back from injury. And I just don't think the Hawks have it this season. I also have, or I had, Clint Capella on my fantasy team. Clint Capella is the center for the Hawks. And he did me absolutely nothing. So I'm not rooting for the Hawks. So we're looking at the number one seed going up against the Nets. And the number two seed going up against the Cavaliers. A lot of exciting stuff happening in the basketball world. And I am totally here for it. It always seems like the NBA schedule makers do this on purpose. But I think it just happens because all these teams are so close right now. And for example, we were talking about the Timberwolves and Jazz and Spurs even. It as I was looking at the schedule, it feels like the Spurs have to play all these different contenders or people just right above them. And so I feel bad for the Spurs. I, I don't think they're going to make it. And then as far as the Warriors schedule goes, we have to play the Spurs as well. We have to play the Lakers. And so I'm just hoping for a couple wins from the Warriors. But I personally think right now the Warriors are the three seed. I personally think they will fall down to the four seed and have to play the Nuggets. When the regular season ends and the play-in tournament is over, Tyler and I will talk about our predictions as far as the NBA playoffs go. Guys, thanks for listening in, as always. Sorry we didn't go too much into a specific player, but I was just super excited for this NBA season to come to a close. I'm excited for my Warriors to make some noise, although I don't think we're going to win. But catch us next time on Monday with our new episode. And until then, stay cool.